on Sagittarian matters, poetry, gender, writing, advice, and teeth with my guest, Eileen Miles. Stay tuned. is a Sagittarius, a poet, novelist, performer, and art journalist. Their 20 books include Afterglow, Cool For You, I Must Be Living Twice, and Chelsea Girls. Eileen joined us this week in Provincetown, Massachusetts to read poetry and answer questions about gender, losing a tooth, teaching, and more in honor of their brand new book of poems, Evolution, available now for pre-order. You can find Eileen on Instagram and at EileenMiles.com. Now please enjoy my talk with Eileen Miles. Eileen Miles, welcome to Sagittarian Matters. Hi, Nicole. I'm so glad to be here with you. We are in your shack mm-hmm. in Provincetown. It truly is a shack, doesn't it? If you don't mind me saying so. You called it a shack first, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, it's I'm just going with it. It's like a surfing shack. Yeah, and I don't surf, but it is, yeah, the boys are outside. and It's a, it's a hobbit shack, I think. Well, as you may or may not have noticed, I'm hobbit-sized, so I appreciate spaces mm-hmm. that are um, hobbit-inclusive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> with like a low ceiling. And a lot of windows. I'm now understanding something that happened because I was like, there's a screen that was, this screen was on the floor and there was water everywhere. And I just figured out that, look up right there, that's what happened. Oh. That's it. The, I, the storm blew the screen out of the ceiling. Out of the skylight. Yeah, yeah. Um, Eileen, I just got the tea bag caught in my tooth. I saw that too. And I just that's a weird that. thing. It's never happened before in my life. <laughs> I think it was God's will. Can, can I just share? Because when I was in high school, I remember standing and talking to some boy that I kind of liked, and um, not to get all non-queer or anything. Uh-huh. And uh, and my my the the straw of my coke went up my nostril, <laughs> and I tried to pretend it didn't. Can he tell? He was like, "You, you just, you." He said, "You." Just went up your nostril, and I said, "I know." I tried to pretend it didn't happen. It was- <laughs> You're like, "I'm very cool, very, very, very cool." It didn't happen. Like, that's not even cool. That's like sort of psychotic. <laughs> that like that didn't happen, right? No. What are, you, what are you talking about? What straw? You literally like sucked Coke up your nose through the straw. Right. Coca Cola. I one time my friend STS, who's like a very, she's like a she's like a shelter dog in the way that she's a little grouchy. And then, like, after a while, she starts being nice to you and you feel like you earned something. Mm-hmm. You know, where you're like, oh, I, like, you know, I laid low long enough. Like, I had a slow enough approach that now we're friends. Yeah. Um, once, also, she doesn't like sharing food. But I love having a bite of whatever anyone has. So one time we were at the Rock and Roll Camp for Girls. She had takeout from Fudd Jasmine in Portland. And I was like, can I have a bite of that? And she was like, I don't know. And she had a root beer. And I yeah. had two long braids. And I came over and I accidentally 
dipped when I leaned over to get her food. I accidentally dipped one of my braids into the tiny hole of the root beer bottle, and then she was so grossed out and surprised that then I jerked up, and then it spilled the root beer all over her food. So then I ran to get a rag, and I threw the rag to her, and the rag flew through the air and landed directly on top the dirty rag directly on top of her takeout food that she had been hesitant to share in the first place. How did it go after that? We both laugh because we're both Sagittarians. Yeah. You know, as you are. God, Does that sound Sagittarian? So, yes, utterly, and so bad, and so funny, and I just, yeah. Yeah, but that's my, that's my thing. God. But I want to say, you lost your tooth. I lost my tooth. I was in the water with Jill Soloway. We were, like, hanging on to an orange rubber tire in the ocean, and we were talking. We were having an excited, intimate conversation, and at some point, I spit out my temporary tooth they call it a flipper and it just fell into the ocean and it was really i mean like i kind of i'm almost into it it was so bad it was it was awful because then you had to go do a reading of your students yeah 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 i had first everybody was like diving there were all those people with scuba masks and snorkels like little kids were like i'll find it i'll find it yeah and then the problem was too it was like uh we were like out over my head Mm-hmm. And I'm not a strong swimmer, so I actually couldn't help myself at all. I just hung on to the orange inner tube and just watched them die for a while and then finally gave up. I'm a strong swimmer. If you ever lose another thing, uh-huh. just come find me. Funny, you just stayed in the house. I came out. <laughs> it I is came funny. out to see what's happening. I came out, but then it was as you were leaving. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Do you?" I was like, I have my snorkel mask. What do you guys need? But then it was like everyone had given up. Yeah. I didn't purposely stay in the house. I did grab my snorkel mask. Mm-hmm. But then also, I had just sat in a cactus. So right. I got a little distracted. At the exact moment you were losing your tooth, I was sitting outside of someone's house. And then when I stood up, I realized I was covered in cactus spines. And so that delayed me from coming to find your tooth. But right, any right. other time, if I'm not covered in cactus spines, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> and then I went back two days later to – I waited for low tide. And then I went back to the same beach, and then I looked for 45 minutes, which was actually weirdly beautiful because I realized not when you're a child, you look very closely at the at the the mud and the tidal flats, and you're like you just look at every colored pebble. And in fact, I'll show you. So I just I, at a certain point, Eileen's walking across the cabin to find something. There's a white. At a certain point, piece I started picking up things that were the right color, even though I knew they weren't. And Some so are quite have, large. Yeah, so it's like every. This is like it's kind of the color of my artificial gums, and then it, there's a small pig slash duck who presides over them. So this is um, some rocks and a series of seashells and things that are the color of your artificial gums, <laughs> and maybe even a little bit your tooth. Yeah. Well, as you know, I have three gold teeth. I'm very used to dental distress, mm-hmm. so I feel like I really feel you. You're having dental yeah. distress. And tomorrow, I'm going to get up early and get on a tiny plane, fly to Boston, and get on another plane, fly to New York, and go see two dentists. And then the next day, I'm going to get up and get on a big plane, and then get on a tiny plane, and I'm going to be back. These are, these are pretty expensive, too, I'm just going to say. I'm not going to say how much, but it's right. pretty expensive getting a fake tooth. Right. And, and so are all the tiny planes. It's like, it was crazy. Yeah. Like, I spent a week teaching, and basically, <laughs> in one day, 
And one day's travel and then one day's um, swimming adventure. You're going to spend tens of thousands of dollars. I'm going to spend everything I've earned in the same week. Oh, it's true, isn't it? Almost, almost exactly the same amount. Yeah. One time when I was a younger person and I had my dog, Beja, who was, you know, a questionably behaved dog. The famous dog. The famous dog, Beja. I got a job pet sitting a pit bull named Mabel. And I think that the owner maybe told me Mabel wasn't good with humans or was, oh, show me Mabel wasn't good with dogs. And in my 23-year-old brain or 22-year-old brain, I thought, well, neither is my dog. So they'll be great together because they can like go against other dogs. I don't know what I thought. But anyway, I got paid, I think, I don't know, 40 or $80, which was like a lot of money then. And then Mabel was chasing Beja down a beach, biting at her butt. Mabel basically bit Beja, and Beja had to go to the vet. And the vet bill was the exact amount of money that I had been paid to watch the dog. Right. So, anyway, I have a question for you. All right. When you, I've been, I've been doing this Linda Berry exercise with my students over the past years, but the past month, where I try to have them harness an image. And like Linda Berry's whole life purpose is. examining this question of what is an image Mm -hmm. and this writing exercise is kind of a way of dropping students into an image and having them look around and report back what what purpose do you feel like images serve and or how do you get yourself back into those moments when you're writing about them i see i don't know what i think i'm not sure i understand maybe i don't like the word image what what when you say an image what does that mean well, I think in this case, like when I'm doing the writing exercise, it's almost yeah. like a memory, you know, no. but it's a memory that's that's stored somewhere deeper in your mind than something you would think of if I just said, mm-hmm. you know, it's like something that, that comes to you once you've been writing or drawing. But then that flash, like that shot, that short movie in your head is very tactile. Like There's mm-hmm. a lot in there, but maybe it's something you have to dig for a little bit or get into a meditative space to access. Right, right, right. And so what was the question? I don't know. Oh. How do you... How do you access, like, what do you do to drop in and access things when you need to write about them? I, do, I don't. I mean, I guess I feel like there's either real stuff, like here, the pig and the shells and the Diet Coke and the cherries. and There's so much stuff Yeah. That, that it's sort of like when I'm writing and I'm talking about something that happened at another time or I'm sharing a belief or a story or a, something, I always pick up some stuff just to make the place be real inside of my head like I use the I use kind of I mean like I you know like visual artists in some historical way they would like the studio and then they have like you know a skull mm-hmm. and a you know like a, a dead duck in a you know and a bowl of cherries and and I just feel like that's my life yeah the world is that place and mm-hmm. I feel like everything I mean as a poet I feel like everything is my studio and so I'm, I'm sort of always grabbing stuff. But then, of course, stories have things in them. And so suddenly there's like a donut or a cherry or, a, you know, and so those things get to come in, too. Is it like an object that angers you in that time? An object that angers me in that time? What do yeah. you mean? Well, I don't know. I mean, like like these things like this, this thing that's sitting in front of us is a rubber ducky, but it kind of looks like a pig. Yeah. And it's very specific right. to now, to this summer, to exactly. this tooth search, yeah. to Provincetown 2018. Like, yeah. this is not, not something that you would mistake for any other time or place in your no, life. This is, I mean, I even have a similar one that is not a pig, that is simply a duck in my apartment in New York. Mm-hmm. And when I saw this at the same place, I thought, but that's a pig yeah. and a duck. Yeah. And it was just, you know, 
acquiring things like that are important. You know, it's over here. Look at this. this speaking of things, this is a really important thing. This. Look at this. this Very is, careful. It's like um, um, kind of an ape yeah. that is lifting a weight, oh, right. and he's wearing a beautiful turtleneck sweater. Exactly. And he looks a little bit like a dog also. Yeah. And then on the bottom, what it says, you can't really see it, but what does it say? For dad, fourth grade. And so it's like I gave this, it was, you know, it was 29 cents, but then it got marked down to 17 cents. This is actually from your life? Yeah. You actually I, got this for your dad when I, you were in fourth grade? Yeah. And you know how when you're a kid, you write, you know, like, for dad, fourth grade. Yeah. It's funny <laughs> that you wrote fourth grade. <laughs> it's like, I got, it's got everything in the diary, right? Yeah. And then when my dad died, I took it back. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, like, pretty quick. And it's just kind of, it's like my writing icon. I just, if I'm going to do some writing, if I'm going to do some serious writing, I always bring that with me. I like it a lot. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's so important to me. It's like my favorite thing. If you ever become um, a purposeful hobo in some way where you're like, I can't have any objects at all. You'll take care of it. I'll hold on to it for you and keep it safe in my curio cabinet amongst my other porcelain objects until you're ready to take on objects again. All right. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Not that anyone asks. Can I? Can you take that away from me? I just told you it's very important. And I'm like, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, real. Th- I mean, I real things in a man. I guess I don't know why image isn't a word for me, but I think real things and imaginary things um, just sort of flow together and replace each other. I guess in my mind and in my writing. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like so, like an object, kind of like a physical book. It's something that has energy to it. Mm-hmm. And if somebody said, is that alive? You'd be like, well, not really. And you'd say, is it dead? And you're like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's kind of working with that idea. Like there's these things that are alive in our minds that yeah. we can conjure up when we're writing and that feel very alive to us while we're writing them. And then when people are reading them and we're kind of passing that energy along. Yeah, yeah. Like there used to be a fashion in the art world a few years ago. It would be like, I think Matthew Barney did a show like this, but where you'd be like, There'd be all these things on the wall, like art, and then there would be a video, and the video would be of things like that that are on the wall. And what started to happen when you looked at the video is it's sort of like you would fall into the video, and it was a little unclear which was reality, the room you're standing in or the video that, you know. And I feel like what we're talking about is sort of like that, like the head is the video. Yeah. Well, the last thing I'll say on that line Uh is she talks about I think there was a radio lab about this too, but there was, you know, um, phantom limb pain where there was a guy and he had lost an arm and he had the feeling that the hand was clenched in a fist and it was very uncomfortable for him. It was very stiff. It was very uncomfortable. And everyone tried all these things. They didn't work. And finally, this person who worked with the brain set up um, a mirror box. So he put his other arm in there and then the mirror box made it look like it was the missing arm. Mm -hmm. And then he had him look at it, and it felt like that arm, and then he unclenched the fist. Mm-hmm. And then that cured it. Right. It made it feel like it had happened because he saw it happen. And so I think Linda Berry's part of her teaching philosophy or writing practice is like there's these hard things that exist in our lives, and those are the clenched fist. Right. And actually going and writing about them and experiencing them in this different way and reflecting them back is unclenching that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm all for copying stuff. That's what I think. It's like I'm always like if I don't know what to do. In fact, in my workshop this week here, I got people at the last – we had like an extra half hour. And so I got people to draw something, just draw anything in the room, anything you see, anybody, you know. And it's like, no, now throw that into the into a pile in the middle and everybody grabs somebody else's drawing. And now the situation – I mean, and people tweaked it in various ways because it was kind of like I was – 
telling people to be sort of a jerky guy, but it was like, you know, like, like a Bob Dylan song where he's, I think he's doing a drawing and there's a waitress and there's a conversation about the drawing. But it's sort of like, it seems like a very guy thing to be like girls sitting alone doing a drawing. And the guy was like, a very interesting drawing, you know, and you yeah. use a drawing as an excuse to talk to the person. And so I was just kind of like, th- their job was to use the other person's drawing as sort of an entree into a conversation. Oh, and interesting. And sort of talk about what you see in the drawing and then start talking about yourself. Mm-hmm. No. How did it work out? Um, pretty good. Pretty good. I mean, it's always like three people do something incredible, two people do something stupid. And, you know, it's just, yeah, it's somebody's. You have a new book of poems coming out. Here it is. It's so beautiful, right? It's called Evolution. When is it coming out? September 11th. That's a powerful date. I know. Did I you choose it. that or did the art publisher? No, they did. I, I think it's so fabulous. I wonder if you'll read a poem for us. I will. I realized that um, whenever you put out a book, you, Eileen, mm-hmm. I will get the hard copy version and then I will get the audio version because I feel it is more special to be able to hear your voice reading the poems. Mm -hmm. And once I have your voice imprinted in my head, then I can go back and read them to myself appropriately. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. I think that is the truest way it is. Okay. I have two, I mean, I have a little teeny one and one that is not long, but it's like that. So should I read them both? Sure. Okay. Let me do that. So this is the first one. It's like the best poem I ever wrote. Really? Yeah. And it's called The Baby. The baby says to the old man, let's have a cup of coffee. The old man says, now you're talking. (laughs) Thank you very much. Right? Yeah. Isn't that funny? Yeah. (laughs) The other one's really funny. It's it's just regular, like one of my poems in a poem that I like. Um, And seems sort of a little bit about what we're talking about in a way. But what I think is really funny is the first poem we ever had in The New Yorker. And I always thought... Whenever I would send poems to the New Yorker, it would have to have like sailboats and no swears, and then, and then they still didn't like them. And this is not like that. This is really funny. So it's called dissolution. Sometimes I forget, I forget what country I'm in. I could write poems in bed. I think have some Americans look at your awful movie to tell you when you're wrong and just racist. I got this bug bite that could be anything. Got new, got no new information to send across. I'm willing to embrace new sort of crayony tone, scribbled version of empty so it's kind of full. A kid could draw this world it had been lived in so long. You forgot to call your family, and now you're ready to write an explicit Bible of love. The ripple of experience is the only beauty here. My coloring book, Why Not, is so like a movie, and I just hand you this damp coloring book. I say there. That's my model. Not the kind of laminate shit you can bring in the tub. I'm not making some picture book of bourgeois life. A damp coloring book is naturally orange. You left it outside. Now you want to save it? It's still good, and that's your secret. How did a mosquito get under these sheets, knocking against my calf? They stop when I stop thinking about them. The book that was my very private thing is gone. If you have an advice question for Sagittarian Matters... Call or text our advice hotline, 971-361-9998. Leave a message. We might answer your question on the air, and we promise not to answer the phone. That is a Sagittarian promise that you can take all the way to the bank. Would you like to choose some advice questions for us? Yes. 
this is like this is so funny. This is the, the advice question that is not an advice question. Why don't you more publicly identify as non-binary? And you know what it is? I just actually don't really like the word non-binary. It just sounds really like um, business-like or something. It isn't like I thought. I think I identify as a they lesbian. Mm-hmm. And I think because it's sort of like putting two things like non-binary is like putting two things together, but they're two boring things as words non and binary seem not exciting. But I think lesbian is a word that's sort of like possibly out of date for some people. And then they, which is a thing that I am, I like to be they, not he or she. Um, to put that together with lesbian seems kind of great and yeah. wrong in my own little private revolution. So it's probably true that I... I do more publicly identify as non-binary. I just use different words. There's something weird, too, about acknowledging the binary in your identity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like having to mention the binary. Right, right, right. Like it would be, it's nice to have a third thing or like another thing that's like, you know, I'm not even going to mention the binary because that's how unimportant it is to me. Yeah, I feel like by now I should get, I should get to make up my own gender. And so that's, I have done that. How do you feel about the word lesbian? Um... Well, you know, I think I kind of prefer dyke. I always like one syllable more than three. <laughs> but it's just like lesbian really gave me, has given me a lot. It was like some place to go when I didn't know what to do with what I was. Yeah. And so to some extent, I just, I feel like, I feel like the way I feel about certain old clothes or shirt, like if I could, if I could own every shirt I ever had, I would be happy, mm-hmm. you know? And I think words are like that. It's sort of like, and I feel that way about poem styles, it's like there's no way I ever wrote that I don't think I'm perfectly entitled to write write in again. And so I feel that way about words. Like I feel like I don't have to throw lesbian out. Yeah. I just have to change it and make it be something different. Yeah. You know? I, li- I like dyke better than lesbian. Sure. Yeah. But then I, I go by queer because it feels so all-encompassing. Mm-hmm. But if I need to go by lesbian, I'm happy to go by lesbian at any time. Right, right. If somebody says, are you a lesbian, Nicole? Sure thing. Yeah, why not? But... I think, you know what, I I dated a trans man who felt very excluded by the word lesbian, and I was like, that totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. That makes total sense. So then I was like, okay, I'll go by queer. Yeah, yeah. Well, though, some, I mean, like, it's like fag. It's sort of like, fag is like dyke, right? Yeah, it yeah. was some point, like, there would be nightclubs called fag. Yeah. You know, or fag rock night or something like that, you know? And so it was sort of like the punkier version of being gay was to be a fag. Yeah. For a while until queer came along. Yeah. That's what I, I feel like queer has some affiliation with punk or like a counterculture kind of exactly identity. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I totally took us off and topic. Even class, because I think we've come to think of gay as middle class. I do. Yeah. I do. It's become the corporate moniker for queers. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. All right. What's, what's a question you like? I can read it. I can read it if you want to chew. Dear Eileen, do you believe in horoscopes? What about astrology? Mm-hmm. So funny. It's the same question twice, right? <laughs> do, do you believe in astrology? What about horoscopes? <laughs> I know. It's really great. But, I mean, I just they wanted to keep talking. And, <laughs> yes. But, I mean, I believe, I believe in, I mean, I believe in um, astrology and horoscopes the same way I believe in um, psychics and the Chinese New Year calendar and um, the I Ching and writing poetry you know, I feel like all these things are methods of divination. And it's sort of like there's an exchange like this. Do I believe in being on your podcast? 
Yes, I do. I do believe in your podcast, you Thank know, you. because it's sort of like we're kind of making something and we don't know. We we throw down these words. We make this little expanse of time and in it. We just don't know what we're going to come up with and where it's going to go. And I believe in that, you know, and I feel like writing a poem is sort of like that. So astrology, it's like I think when I first cited that little little rectangle in the Boston Globe when I was a child, I was like, what's that? It was all these pictures of moons mm-hmm. and men holding you know, and people holding and fish and, you know, it was just like, it was like nothing else in the newspaper. Yeah. And I was like, I'm interested in that. There's a little bit of magic in the newspaper. Yeah. I mean, in fact, I would really love to see what, I I mean, I just remember exactly what it looked like and I don't know who did that. You know, it was just a feature. It was just like, you know, like every other obituaries and corrections and, you know, things like that. But so it just was another order. And that was exciting to me in the same way that like going to Catholic school meant that when I read about Greek and Greek and Roman gods, I got very excited. I was like, oh, so instead of saints, we can have Apollo and Mercury and, you know, Athena and all, you know, so it's just like, and then you heard about Norse gods and it was like, oh my God, we could have Odin and Loki and all, you know, so it's like, I'm excited by systems and new systems, you know, but I think, think, I think it's sort of like, it is an exchange between probably, you know, like me and the astrologer. And then it probably matters which astrologer or, or even when I decide that I need to know what's going on for Sagittarians. Yeah. You know, I don't turn to it routinely at the same time. I mean, like, I think maybe there were times when I knew it was somebody I was into and I knew that they released their new horoscope on this day and I would go there then, but I don't have any kind of relationship like that now. Um, so it, it, it just becomes, it's just interesting when it is that I need that. Yeah. You know, sometimes when I read, or I, I go to astrologers sometimes uh-huh. And I do. I believe that it's it's through their lens, whoever they are. So I need to appreciate their lens and their outlook on the world. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I don't want them looking into my personal information and feeding me back their version if I don't like their version of anything mm-hmm. else. But when I read horoscopes in a normal way, I usually find that for me, they're a little bit late. And also, like I always feel like when I read one, it's like, oh, that describes yesterday, not today. Mm-hmm. And as somebody there's a lot of Capricorn in my chart. I do find that reading both Sagittarius and Capricorn is helpful for me. Just mm-hmm. Sagittarius doesn't always cut it. Right. Yeah. What are your moon and rising signs? Um, moon is Leo and rising sign is Pisces. Oh, hmm. wonderful. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a weirdo combo, combination. It is, but I'm, I'm into it. Yeah. And I think I, I do have, I'm pretty sure I have some Capricorn someplace. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like one little piece of earth. and But I think it has a real effect. It really does. Yeah. It's like when I was a kid and I would read about Sagittarians and they just sound of wild mm-hmm. and too fun. And I just remember being like, I don't like having that much fun. It's too much. Right, right. It's right. like I was traveling and exercising all the time. Yeah, it's like an earth, an earth Sagittarian. Yeah, I was like, yeah. there's, I didn't realize I was, I was, for a certain point, I think I put it in wrong and I thought it was a triple Sagittarius. And I was like, well, I guess this is what we're doing now. Mm-hmm. And then somebody passive aggressively told me that I had Capricorn moon rising. I can't remember if I told you this before, but they were like, it totally makes sense. You are bitter, melancholy, and traditional. (laughs) And I I was like, oh, okay. It was like the ex-girlfriend of the person I was dating at the time did my chart behind my back. Whoa. whoa. And then told me that in just an offhanded way. Yeah. I was like, okay. That's really funny. Yeah. 
Do you have another question you like? Um, I do. I have a couple. Um, there's one. I mean, they're sort of obvious, the ones I'm picking here, because there's one about, this is great. What's the difference between a poem and a bunch of words strung together? It's so great, you know? Yeah. And I think it makes me think about, um, did you ever see the movie AI? Yes. Well, the thing that, I mean, like many things about that movie I actually really liked. I love that movie. But one of the things that was, I think about the most and return to the most was like when the woman decided that this kid would be hers, she did this thing which was part of the instructions, I guess, for getting an artificial intelligence boy, and which was, she said, a chain of words. Sophocles, river, Dagmar, lamp, June, impossible. It was like a, it was like a, it was like he came with this list, and once you looked in his eyes and said this list of things, you would have a bond, and he would never stop being attached to you. So it was like you didn't want to do this until you had decided I'm keeping him. And I just, I mean, I just thought that was such an unusual and fascinating use of language, and. That's not a poem. That's something else. That's like a contract. Yeah. You know, it's just an odd list of... And so I think the difference between a poem and and just a list of words, and there sort of isn't on the surface, is that, like, we don't... Like, when she said it to the kid, there was no inflection. She just was like, Sophocles, River. I mean, it was just, like, very deliberate, very one after the other. No tweaking, no departure, no expansion, even, 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 even. In poetry, the thing that's different from poetry in a list is that it it um, it kind of wanders off. It just, like, Sophocles' river, and then the river suddenly turns into something, and it does something, and then you wait for the thing. If the job was to use all the words in this list, you would wait for the river to do something that would lead you to the next word, you yeah. know? And it's sort of like, there's just something very relational about poetry, and, and it's just, it, it's tweaking a list, you know? And some things, you just let them sit there, and other things, you just really engage, and some words you say again, and you repeat, and they return. So it's just, like, it really is like an engaged... It's an engaged, um, I, hate, I hate to just say list, but it is like an engaged relationship to words in time, you know, so stuff happens, you know, so it's sort of like, it's not exactly narrative, but there's a narrative in what happens between these words, you know. Yeah. So that's the difference. That's the death. Yeah. And then, what else did, there was somebody else who had. Oh, low-key, let's talk about the low-key femphobia. Yeah, let's talk about that. I don't know what that. Oh, oh. I'm afraid I might have low-key femphobia tips. What does that mean? This was a question. Eileen's not saying this as a statement. Someone said, Dear Sagittarius Matters, I'm afraid I might have low-key femphobia. Tips, tricks. Um, just to clarify that I don't think of you being as a femphobic, uh-huh. low-key femphobic person. I think it is internalized sexism. So maybe somebody who sees, who associates power with masculine people, Mm -hmm. no matter where they are across the board, and associates femininity with weakness Mm -hmm. or with being a little bit less smart or less, um, having less of a a harness on their power. Right. That's what what I'm imagining they mean by low-key femphobia. Right. I mean, the thing, the thing that's, what's the question? What do I think about it? Do I have it? I'm afraid they have, they have it. They might have it. I mean, they have it. I mean, I, I mean, I kind of, like, it's kind of hard to be part of this culture. I mean, I've had this new new idea that, like, 
patriarchy is intersectional. What are you talking about? Well, you know, people are all about intersectionality. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, like, this is like a new idea, you know. And it is a new idea, but it's a new idea for getting people who are different but might have common causes to and, – and to not like just look at race but to look at class right. at the same time and not look at class but look at gender too and all these things. But the patriarchy is a system in which all those things are looked at mm-hmm. and are manipulated to a certain effect. Oh, yeah. Right? So just the other end of intersectionality. Yeah. I mean intersectionality is, is the machine working to cause things mm-hmm. and, and, and have, have results and patriarchy – is that you so? Know, they can't that, just look at one part of the machine to try and fix it. Yeah, yeah, it's the entire system. So I would say that, like, we we all have, on some level, low key, femme phobia because we have been taught that, on some level, that I mean, you might think that feelings are better than not feelings, and so you might think that women have feelings and men don't, or women have been educated to express their feelings and men are educated to not express their feelings, but. At certain points, when I, as a female, queer, trans, um, they lesbian person, butch, might have feelings in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I'm like, oh, I sound like such a girl. What do you mean? Feelings in the wrong place at the wrong time? Well, sort of like there are times when you think this will get me what I want and this and there are times I mean like at times when you just simply feel things and you say them but there are times when I feel like keep that in Eileen you know it's sort of like it would be better for you if you just shut the fuck up about that particular feeling that's not a productive feeling to have at this moment you know and if I nonetheless spill it out then I then I would I can easily see myself thinking oh you sound like such a girl you know so it's just like I think that I think it's pretty hard to to be in this culture that has educated all of us to feel these things and not feel that to some extent. Um, so, what should I say to that person? Um, I think it would be very. It's a very interesting. I think it's a very interesting um, writing exercise or feeling or notebook exercise to really write about what it what what female is, what feminine is. What um, what parts of your what what parts of yourself do you value? What parts don't you value? Do a drawing of yourself and point out the parts that seem male and the parts that seem female, mm-hmm. and to kind of kind of own it and claim it and really have. I feel like it's part of this question that is intriguing is that it's kind of the unsureness. Mm-hmm. You know, it seems like an accusation has been made or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I think that like on some level, I think the accuser may or must be right yeah you know but it's sort of like in a way you just all you want to know is like meditation is about knowing what you got mm-hmm. you know you just you don't do it to have an enlightenment you just do it to see what's there yeah and i think that they need to meditate on these on these issues i think they need to go volunteer at the rock and roll camp for girls where they're surrounded by only women all in their power mm-hmm. modeling power for young girls uh-huh. that's what, and with no patriarchal nonsense the foot and then meditate again after they do that uh-huh that's my add-on okay good it's very direct yeah yeah um do you meditate yeah yeah but i haven't i haven't done it for a few days i mean it was weird i was teaching last week and i was really busy and i wasn't medit. i was i was like meditate for like seven minutes yeah that's and nice. that's nice since i've had time i have not done it 
So. What do you think about? Do you have a visualization that you go to? No, I try. I'm, it's the opposite. I try. And I, I notice. I notice my mind being incredibly busy and full of stuff, and then I just acknowledge that and try and like let it go. You know, it's sort of like there. One, there was you know. One school of meditation that I've been around a little bit is where you see something go by and you're like, oh, that's that's fear. Oh, that's money. Oh, that's sex. You know, like label them and then let them go. But I think the idea, the goal of all the meditation I've ever done is to not hang on to any of these thoughts. Yeah. And so I wouldn't put something in front. I would just be noticing how much I couldn't stop thinking. Yeah. And the idea is to not think. Yeah. When I take a nap every day, 20 minutes every day, it feels like meditation in some way because I am having to slow down my mind and take charge and be like, er, here's what's mm-hmm. happening. For me, I used to just count down backwards from 60. But now I imagine RuPaul in drag or out behind the judge's panel desk counting down from 60. And if I and it's RuPaul in like a very like silence time to do this. And then, um, and it's very soothing. And then if I need to, I'll think of RuPaul counting sheep. And that's what they're counting backwards from. I met RuPaul. I told RuPaul this. You are my meditation focal point. And RuPaul told me that he uh, thought of a mouse hole. And then he thought of his thoughts that came up as like, he he just looked at the mouse hole and would just with wonder. Like, oh, I wonder what's going to come out of there next. I wonder what's going to go by. Hmm. So sometimes I think of the mouse hole. I just think of like, just like a clean white space with like a little black kind of upside down U shape. And I just think of that as long as I need to. Right. That's pretty good. Just, I love that RuPaul gave you that. Yeah. Well, because, I mean, I, I feel like it was nice for RuPaul to stand there while I was like, RuPaul, I think of you every day. Mm-hmm. Every day, counting down backwards. Well, then like when I did Headspace, you know, the guy who does Headspace, the meditation app, would talk about how, you know, your thoughts are just like clouds passing by. Mm-hmm. And so then sometimes I would think of the sky in the actual clouds. But now I think of the mouse hole. But now? I think of the mouse hole. Oh. Or RuPaul. Yeah. When I th- if I think of RuPaul when I'm trying to meditate, I'll fall asleep because that's my napping yeah. thing. So if I'm just meditating, I'll think of the mouse hole. Today's episode of Sagittarian Matters brought to you by Maddie Dog, Madeline Berger, Mary Pinson, Shoshana Ruth Wechter, and Christy Harrod. If you would like to support Sagittarian Matters, including producer Chris Sutton, please send $5, $10, $5 million, that is your business, via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com. That's hornet like the insect, leg like its appendage at gmail. Thank you for your support. And we look forward to saying your name on the podcast. Producer Ponyo looks forward to it too. Don't be scared. That's Ponyo's voice. Eileen, do you have any questions for me? I don't think you want to climb a mountain, but is there anything, is there any kind of physical achievement of that order or any order that has some parallel to that, that, that you think of as something you would actually really like to do in your life? Well, an adventure thing I had wanted to do at some point that sounds scary to me is learning a little bit of scuba so that I can sit on the ocean floor in Hawaii and have rays swim above me. There's like a nighttime ray adventure you can do. Adventure in quotes because it's, of course, on a brochure. But you, you scuba and you go and you sit on the floor 
in the ocean floor in the dark in the middle of the night and the the host whoever's bringing you there shines a flashlight to attract all the little shrimps and then the rays swim over you to eat the shrimp or the little whoever the tiny little crustacean guys the rays that's what they do yeah shrimp yeah or whatever they're like planktony kind of but they that sounds really fun wow aside from that that's a pretty amazing one Right. It's, yeah. But I don't know if that seems that physical. I mean, the scuba part for me is physical because I feel very claustrophobic thinking about the scuba thing of you not being able to come up when you want to mm-hmm. as fast as you want to. That scares me. That scares me. And I don't feel like it's appropriate nature wise. I think they may be like, I'm not meant to go down there. Yeah. And that is why I'm not supposed to like go up and down without getting the bends. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it still sounds really nice. Yeah. So seeing rays. I don't know what else. I do a lot of hiking, and I don't think there's anywhere I want to hike that I can't hike. Mm-hmm. Where do you hike? I hike in Griffith Park, oh. and just places around LA oh, right. that are places. very steep. Yeah, and I like doing that. Huh. I think that's it. Huh. Yeah. Huh. What about you? I mean, I didn't. Ask, I didn't ask the question with the one in mind, but then I thought, oh God, you're going to turn it around on me. Of course. And I said, I mean, there's like I live near um, Big Bend National Park, and so there's there's hikes there that. There's one called the the Southern Rim that is not extreme, but it's sort of like it's more than a light hike. Mm-hmm. And I think I would like to do that. In fact, I might like to do it alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I would kind of like to do one of those backpacking hikes where I'm like going somewhere and then camping, sleeping outside and then waking up, maybe bathing in a river and then keep walking. Yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds great. I also think, I mean, I was sort of swimming the other day and um, I had sort of had this like kind of backache it was like i had two things i had like a backache and then like my hip one of my hips was hurting and i think that lots of people um i know and i of course i always think i'm i'm not like a huge jock but i like i've been just going to the gym and running like two or three miles since my 20s so it's sort of like i'm like moderately in good shape you know and um so i always i mean so people i know my age and sometimes a little older but sometimes a little younger have hip replacements Mm -hmm. and it seems like the worst thing in the world and I always think that's not something that would happen to me because that happens to those people and I'm not you know but um but I was having these kind of specific pains in my body and then I jumped into the ocean started swimming and I just had such a realization that, that everything I was doing was absolutely great for all these things that hurt and then I thought of my dog Rosie who didn't start to swim until she was nine which is probably a dog in her 60s yeah which i am and i and, and the reason she loved it was because of course it light did this lightning effect on the limbs yeah like i think the look of ecstasy in her eyes was like oh my god i'm light yeah you know and so um i just had i mean like i think i probably have this enduring wish to be a strong swimmer and oh. to, I think I took a swimming lesson. I mean, I think in swimming lessons once or twice in my life and never stuck to it. And I travel too much and I can't keep taking lessons and so on. But I just, I had that thought. I thought I had banished that thought from my mind. But I suddenly thought, oh, it might be really great to be a swimmer. It's really nice to know you'll be okay. Yeah. When you're swimming places, you know? Like if you come upon a river and there's a weird current and you know, like, okay, if this happens, I will be okay. Right. Because I, can, I took swimming lessons when I was a kid because we lived in Florida. Right. And so there were pools everywhere. Yeah. And so I would do that all the time. 
See, I would love, I loved pools and jumping around on the water and swimming and stuff. And I wasn't like, you know, I just did a few thrashing strokes and, and was happy to dive into water over my head and cannonball and do all that stuff. But when I went to camp, we then had to pass swimming tests right away. And I flunked minnow. Like oh. I, the most basic swimming test I didn't pass. And they wouldn't let me in the pool, in the in the deep side of the pool for the rest of the hmm. day camp. And it was humiliating and painful and so I think that kind of like um you know was thwarting yeah yeah so now your goal is to be a minnow to be post minnow yeah post minnow yeah um any last notes no I think I think we're I think we're there I think we do it I think so um I just want to let's see what do I want to say I want to say that um people should look at my what is it what is my uh, my I'm very proud of my Instagram taking pictures and it's sort of my favorite thing are you afraid of sharks yeah i am i am how do you how do you console yourself when you get in the ocean with the idea about sharks also being there um i just get in and out fast yeah yeah so it's i mean it is in conflict with the i mean i guess if i was going to be like a major swimmer i wouldn't have to be doing it in the ocean no well i did i would have i went to the beach with you you went in the water yeah. And I did say, if you got murdered by a shark, I would do a comic about it. Right. Possibly a graphic novella, depending on how long I could spread out the story. It would be That's so funny to think <laughs> that it would be like a graphic novel memorial. Yeah, I mean... Memorial. Nobody's, has anybody done, nobody's done this. You might need a human death. I might need to start hanging around people doing risky behaviors. Right. So that I, but people I've known for a while. Right, right. You know, I'd be like, Michelle T, do you want to go skydiving? Wouldn't it be fun to go yeah. skydiving together? I felt too prone. I mean, I felt like having, having just lost a tooth and something else just happened. What else just happened? I felt it was two bad things. Tooth. I think. I sat in a cactus. Isaac lost his wallet. And there was one other thing we were talking to somebody. I did something else. I can't remember what else it was. But I just felt like I am just so prone to be bit by a shark. You would get bit by a shark. Well, like, remember when you fell in that hole? Yeah. Like, you, like, fall in holes. You lose your... (laughs) Yeah, this is very Sagittarius, kind of. Lucky, unlucky. Like, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. I mean, I went to the Caribbean with my girlfriend, and I was having such a good time. The second day I was there, I was so happy, so in love, so high, that I kicked my bare foot against a piece of pool furniture and broke it. And broke your foot? My toe. Broke your toe. Yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, breaking a toe is just like four months. It's like you can't, you just walk on it. You just, you buddy wrap the two toes mm-hmm. and then you just walk on it and there's nothing you can do. You just wait for it to get better. But it was so stupid. And of course, walking on sand is horrible. It's hard in the best of circumstances. Yeah, but really bad. I know. I know. Walking in sand is really bad. In fact, running on sand is one of the least pleasant things on the planet. I would never do that unless I had to. It's so zen, though. It's sort of like you're like, I'm just going to do it. Mm -hmm. And then you just kind of like have to just let that be the pace. And it's kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, But you did. did, I did extract from you a poem or a series of tweets. If you watched me get murdered by a shark. You did agree to do that. 
Wait a second. Say that back up with that sentence again. If you watched me get killed by a shark. Right. I would do an Instagram. I did get you. to. Oh, you would do an Instagram? <laughs> I, I got you to say that you would either write a poem or at least do a couple tweets about it. Right. But now I, I've been upgraded I to an Instagram. A picture with a long <laughs> account. And so I am Eileen.Miles. And people should go to my Instagram account and just visit because I just like to hang out and leave pictures and stuff. And how can they find out about your tour dates for your book? Um, I have a website, EileenMiles.com. And so if it's not up there, I mean, it, the tour starts on September 12th in New York at Greenlight Bookstore. Mm-hmm. In, um, is it in Fort Greene? Fort Greene, I think. And so it begins then. So it begins on September 12th. So look like the week before that. And it'll right. be, yeah. Thanks, Eileen. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton with assistance by Panyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.